Welcome back to the Profitable Audience Podcast. Uh, Tony and I, we just got back from ECF Live, which is an amazing conference held by my by both of our friends, uh, Andrew Udarian. And there were a couple of impactful talks that I thought we'd touch upon today, uh, especially the one on pricing. I thought you were gonna say the most impactful talk was yours. Oh, mine. <laughs> okay, so just, just for fun, like uh, Andrew and I, we had this feud going. What's well, not a feud. <laughs> It is. Well, it's, it's a it's a fun feud. We basically bag on each other on stage. Problem is at his event, he's got the big mic on the big stage. And so what he did is he he bagged on me. He did a really good job this year. What he did is he did a deep fake of my voice mm-hmm. and made me say all sorts of crazy stuff during his keynote. And then I was speaking at his event, but he put me in a little tiny room uh, <laughs> Up against the, the chat GPT talk at 8.30 in the morning. 8.30 in the morning. Yes. Like, you know, people at these events, they stay out late. They don't get up that early. It was funny, too, because when I got I got in there right at 8.30 because I was at breakfast. And then it was like uh, maybe a third full. But I actually felt like because you were going up against chat GPT that that, was, <laughs> that felt like a win, right? Because like chat GPT was like what everyone was talking about all week. And right. so... I was like, well, yeah, this is like a good turnout. But then by the end of the talk, like people definitely filtered in. Your room was completely packed by, by uh, you know, within 15 minutes. It was full. And we purposely started late to get yeah. to get more people in there. But yeah, it turned out good, actually. Uh, I was like 830. Great. Well, number one, I have to get up at 830 right. or, or earlier, <laughs> right? Yes. And then, you know, the, the chances of other people walking in. Because I purposely went to bed early that night, too. Yeah, you did. Anyway. You, left, you left the uh, networking thing early but steve gave a great talk on uh kind of balancing family and business as along with your partner sam what's his last name hubner hubner yeah Yeah. Uh, he has a brand called parker baby uh gave a really good talk you know both you guys gave a good perspective um you both have a little bit of a different business too like sam's business model parker babies i think he said about what about 10 million yep um so definitely a, a pretty large business and he's got, uh, you know, several employees and and so he's running a little bit of a different business model than you are, uh, but definitely good perspective from both of you because Sam's kids are really young. Um, right. Sam, your kids are teenagers and Sam's kids are, well, the oldest one looked to be about six. I don't know. They, they looked really young in the photo. Uh, so it was a great talk and it was packed and you had, what I thought was crazy was you had probably 45 minutes of questions. Yes, it was designed that way. Uh, well, yes, Andrew told like, us to only talk for 25 minutes. Yes, yeah. but usually, I mean, you and I have both been in sessions like that where when it's time for questions, you get like 15 minutes of questions and then everyone's like, well, I guess we're done here. You know, like that that happens all the time. So you guys went to the limit with the questions. Yes, the, the questions were almost as long as the presentation itself, I want to yeah, say. I would say they yeah. might have been longer, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was interesting to hear people ask the question, like the questions people were asking, and um, everything from really practical questions like, "How do I find a good VA or good people to help?" and you know, "How do I find a three PL?" to one guy, it's like, "Well, when do I know when it's time to start a family?" <laughs> <laughs> and you had Never. the best answer. You were like, "That's not your decision." <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, there were some great sessions there, but they kicked off the event with a session on pricing. And it was, you and I have had this conversation a lot privately, and we've talked about it a little bit 
in the course. And I know you probably talked about it in Profitable Online Store as well. Um, But it was really interesting when she started breaking down the numbers about either raising your prices or discounting. Yeah. So what's funny is, is in my class, I mainly focus on the discounting part. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I, I think I just gave this lecture Right before Black Friday, mm-hmm. I was kind of discouraging people from doing these crazy sales, right? Unless they think that they can, you know, significantly, you know, boost their 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 order volume, right. right? And if you're on our Friday email list, the email today talks. I give you guys a really good example of like how exactly this plays out with you know actual pr- a pricing model. So. Um, if you're on the Friday email, you're going to get this after you hear this podcast or before you, you're going to get this, you're going to hear this after you've already seen the email. So we're going to talk a little more in depth today because the email was short. Yeah. So the uh, flip side of that is raising prices, which is what uh, I think her name was Casey, right? Yes. Is that her name? Yeah. That's what she focused on. And she used, uh, I want to say she used numbers that were that that made it a little bit more impactful, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where if you raise your prices by like one percent, mm-hmm. it's it's something like crazy. It's like double digits in yeah. profit, right? Yeah. I don't know how. Do we want to do math on this on this podcast? We can because I just wrote it out in an email. So. Oh, you did. Okay. So I why did. don't you? Yeah. yeah why so don't you talk? The example she gave. Well, it's funny because she actually started with. She's an engineer. That's her background. So she was like all about the numbers, which I I do appreciate. Like I am not, I like numbers. I don't like to figure them out. I want people to just give me them. Um, But I liked how she put it. So, so, and I like that she used numbers to make it make sense. So the first thing she started out with in the talk was asking people how many people could raise their prices by 5% and would it be a moderate impact on your business, a huge impact, like, like as far as losing customers and the majority of the people were in the like, you know, maybe a little impact or a lot of impact. There were very few people that were like no impact and very few people were like, this would make a huge impact, right? There wasn't, there, there wasn't many people on the edges, but the middle right. was, was clustered. And then she did the math where she used a dollar, which I loved because that just makes everything really easy, right? So she said, you raise your prices 5%. Uh, so your product was a dollar. Now it's a dollar five. So at a dollar... Um, if your costs are 85 cents, you're making 15 cents profit off of this product if you sell one. Now, if you do a dollar five, um, your costs are still 85 cents. Nothing's changed, right? And you're not, you don't have to have more warehouse manpower, nothing, right? It's just, you literally just up the price. Um, you're now making 20 cents a, um, you know, a widget. So you're going from 15 cents to 20 cents which is more than you're getting more than a 5% increase. You're getting like a 30 plus percent increase in profit, right? When you go from 15 cents to 20 cents in profit, it's not like, um, you know, the same level of discounting. So it was really interesting because like as soon as she did that, you're like, okay, wait a second. That's like a huge jump, um, you know, for not a lot of money. And then if you take that and you make the numbers bigger, like something's $100, you raise it to $105. Is that really going to matter? When you're paying $100, probably not. A 5% increase is going to be um, not noticeable for a lot of things. I mean, even if you think about, like, she used some examples at the grocery store, and it's like, well, if you pay, you know, $3 for mayonnaise and you up it 5%, what are you paying, like, $3.15? Like, are you going to notice if the mayonnaise is $3 or $3.15? You're probably not even going to notice the pricing difference. Um, 
So she was, and and then when she broke it down, at the end of her talk, she gave this survey again, and it was like, how many of you could raise your prices by 5%? And it was like 67% of the audience was like, oh, I could do that because like 5% is so insignificant to the consumer, right? They're yeah. not going to know. Now, when you start raising them 20, 30%, like obviously that becomes pretty impactful um, as we've seen like recently with the cost of like just with go- goods, right? Like eggs are, you know, seven, $8 a dozen. Well, when eggs used to be $3 and now they're eight, I mean, that increase is ridiculous. Um, and people are going to notice. But if you went from $3 to $3.10, no one will be talking about eggs right now. You know what I really wanted to ask her mm-hmm. was because uh, I have friends at large companies that go through this and they have different philosophies. If you want to do a significant price raise, like what you said with the eggs, mm-hmm. do you raise it little by little over time or do you just yeah. like rip the Band-Aid off? I feel like you got to inch, inch it up. Um, so there's different schools of thought on that yeah. because if you rip the Band-Aid off, yeah. then people talk about it and there's like this huge uproar. But then it goes away. Mm, Whereas mm-hmm. if you if you inch your prices up, like people are constantly complaining about it. <laughs> That's true. It, I kind of yeah. think of it a different way, though. I think of it as like the what is it? The old like it's not a proverb, but it's like the um, the fable the of like the frog in the boiling water. Right? If you just slowly crank up the heat, they don't know they're being boiled to death. <laughs> so it's like a terrible. You don't know you're just g- being gouged. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like if you just do it all at once. But then there becomes the like, is it even like, I think the problem with like the eggs and stuff is like, is it even worth it to eat eggs at $8? Probably not. I don't know. I'll eat something else. Um, we actually just bought eggs. It, it's actually $15 here, not not eight because, you know, California, everything's it's expensive. It's coming down here. They were um, they were like four bucks at, at Sam's Club the other day. So I was very excited. I wanted to start hoarding them, but I don't think you can hoard eggs. Um, yeah, I don't think they last. <laughs> this is just a random aside, but I just discovered that the date on the egg carton mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but you know, when you're when the eggs are expensive, you actually start paying attention. Yeah, you're like, so, are we going to uh, be able to eat these in time? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Jen told me that if you crack the egg and then the yolk is still shapely, mm-hmm. then it's all good to eat. You can also put them in water. Um, oh. I think, I don't remember what, one of them, rotten eggs sink or float. I don't remember which one it is. But if you put it in chat GPT, they'll tell you. Um. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> we got off on a tangent here. Okay. Yes. Uh, so that example that you just gave, which had lots of math and yes. when people think about right, it. Yes. I did it all right though. Yeah. Well, okay. So I just wanted to add a little color to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average net margin for a business is between 10 and 20%. I right. think that's what it was. Yeah. And... The reason why the numbers are the way they are in the example that she gave is because in a perfect world where you have 100% margins, mm-hmm. then raising it you know, 5% isn't a big deal to right. your bottom line. But when you're making like a small fraction, mm-hmm. like when your profit is only like 15%, let's just say in that, yeah. I think that was the example you just gave, right? Yeah. Then even small increases are amplified in the 15% case by four or five X. Yeah. Right. Which, more, more than that, actually, four to six X, yeah. Which to me, when I was listening to her talking, just drilled home the case for digital sales. Because <laughs> 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 like, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, it becomes less impactful the higher your margins are, or the lower right. your the higher margins. Yeah. So higher your you, margins are, yeah. yeah, the higher your margins are. So you know, if you're selling something for a dollar and you make 85 cents, 
you make 85 cents, right? You're, you have a 15% cost. Um, you know, the discounting doesn't, it's not, the discounting and the price increase doesn't, you know, five cents isn't a whole lot versus when your margins are so tight. Um, so I was like, that was what I was thinking as I was listening to her at first. I was like, well, this is a huge argument for like, you know, low, <laughs> low overhead businesses like courses, membership sites, uh, content channels, um, things like that. Because basically, I mean, as we both have said, uh, we're running at like, you know, we maybe spend under 10% of our, you know, income oh, do, on. Do we spend, we spend like yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like it's under yeah. 10%. Even if you factor in the VA costs and, and like some of the services we do pay for, like, um, you know, Ahrefs or Tailwind, things like that. Like even when you factor in hosting, email, like you're still at a very low percentage of your overall, you know, revenue. I, I will say this. Uh, remember when all those tariffs got implemented on the e-commerce mm-hmm. side? Yeah. Well, they didn't affect us that much because you know you're marking everything up four to six percent, uh, four, yeah. four to six x, right? Yeah. So if they raise something like a buck, mm-hmm. it's actually not as impactful as you might think. Right. Right. On the on the cost side, yeah. Because you're marking up so much, but you just even if you were to maintain your same same pricing, you're really only losing like a dollar on the order, which isn't as big of a deal. Yeah. So on the reverse side, when you think about discounting, right? Because most people use discounts to get a customer, uh, get a customer back. Like maybe they've fallen off. You're trying to win them back. So you're offering them a small discount. Um, Obviously the, the sales period, you know, Black Friday, Presidents, whatever, you know, you're running a President's Day sale, Fourth of July, whatever, whatever things people are using to run sales. If you take that, most people aren't ever having a sale where you save 5%. Like no one cares about 5%. 5% is never going to move the needle for you on a sale. Um, 10% right. to me is kind of the, Bare the bottom. Would, yeah. 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 So you take that same example and you discount 10%, right? Um, now you're only making, you know, 90 cents. Um, I mean, you're 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 charging ninety cents for the same product, and your cost is still eighty five, right? So right. now you're only making five cents an item, as opposed to fifteen. So right. if you make five cents an item and you want to make one dollar, you have to sell twenty items. Right. Whereas if you have make it, if you're making fifteen cents an item, you have to sell about seven. Right. So if you think about that. When you're discounting only 10%, which isn't a great discount, you've got to sell 20 items versus seven items at full price. And if you raise your prices 5%, you have to sell five. Right? So you go from 20 to seven to five. And if you sell five, you need less people in your warehouse. (laughs) You're paying less pick and pack fees. I mean, you're, you know, overall, like, you know, if you look at it that way, you don't, you can lose customers and still be okay by raising your prices versus discounting um, and that to me was the most impactful when you looked at the difference like because it's like you think oh well if I discount 10% I just have to get 10% more customers well that's not how the math works um, you have to get a crazy amount I don't even know what the percentage is on that but um, you have to almost triple basically your customers to make up for the 10% discount using the you know 85% um, yeah Cost. Yeah. I mean, it obviously shifts, but but now you know how to do the math to figure it out, so that you can go, okay, well, you know, am I going to gain, you know, twice as many customers by running this sale, or am I only going to gain, 
30% more customers and then it doesn't maybe make sense to make run the sale. So in reality, it actually comes down to ego. Okay, how is right? that? Because you know that when you put out a sale, more sales come in and that gives you this temporary high, Yes. which leads to higher revenue. Mm-hmm. And most people, I mean, this is why Amazon hides all of the costs in a separate bill. Mm-hmm. You know, they never lump in the costs in with, you know, your sales, like itemized, right? right? Like mm-hmm. you made this sale, this is how much we took. They just give yeah. you this one lump sum. Yeah. And then you'll notice on their dashboard, they only show you your revenue. They don't show you how much you're paying them, obviously. Yeah. Because that number feels good. That's true. Right? But you know what and else feels good? when you run a good? sale, you make more money. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you make more revenue. Yeah. What, what else feels good? Like more money in your <laughs> bank account. That's what feels good. <laughs> your personal you don't bank calculate account. That, you don't calculate that. At least we don't do it. We, we do it once a month. Yeah. Uh, how often do you do it? When You're I like did every the jewelry day. business. Yeah. Huh? Every single day. Yes, I was yeah. there with like my little ledger and my weights and my pieces of gold. Um, when I did the jewelry business, it probably wasn't even once a month. So yeah, it should have been, but I've just, that's not my, that's not my strength. I mean, there's, there's some people, actually, you know what it is, it's actually really hard to calculate that number every day even, right? Because yeah. you have these monthly expenses. I guess you could, I, I know our mutual friend, Kevin Stecco actually does that. He takes mm-hmm. all of their costs and then if they're monthly costs, he actually breaks them down and divides okay, by like, like daily, 30 yeah. or that. Yeah. To get yeah. this daily profit number, you know, come to think of it, maybe I should implement that. I mean, it would be interesting. I think a lot of, so I think one of the problems is a lot of people just look at their cost of goods. Yes. Right. And they say, oh, well, you know, I'm because because one of the things that I know you teach and a lot of other people teach is that, you know, you want to find these um, you want to find these products that have a margin so that if you do sell on Amazon and you can afford to take the hit with the fees. Right. Right. Um, So they're like, oh, well, I have a 80 like with my jewelry. I had like a 90 percent margin. Right. When you just took the cost, the landed cost of the jewelry. Uh, because it was so inexpensive to ship, and then also it was inexpensive to make, and I could charge like you know, I mean, if the piece of jewelry cost a dollar, I could charge easily charge twenty dollars for it. Right. Um, and people didn't people didn't think they were getting ripped off. They thought they were getting a good deal because that's sort of the the world of jewelry. Like the that's how the margins are. But that doesn't take into account, you know, the customer service person I was paying, or um, you know, just random stuff. The cost of Clavio, the cost of Using a you know a feedback genius or something like that on Amazon, things you know all those things weren't taken into consideration. Shopify costs all that. You know stuff. what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this actually. It's really easy to do. Yeah. Um, you just need to have different fields for all of your little costs divided mm-hmm. by thirty, and then just lump it in, and you have a daily profit number. Yeah. I've actually I've actually always wanted that. I think the problem with ecom. Is that mm-hmm. when you buy in different batches, every batch costs different Yeah. dollar yeah. amount, right? Mm-hmm. Like you might have bought hankies like last year for like 10 cents a piece and now they're like 15 cents a piece. So that would be harder though. Well, and I anyway. know too for people that are doing containers, like the container costs have vacillated wildly in the past two years. That's correct. They went also. from five to 20 and now they're back down, you know, to 10, under 10. I mean, I wouldn't. It would just all be lumped into like right. landed cost, right? Yeah. Just just one number to keep it simple. Anyway, I don't so, want to bore everyone with math. Y- yes. Yeah. This is like way way too much math this yeah. early in the morning for us to be recording. Yeah. Um, so then I started thinking, okay, so discounting's terrible. Don't do it. It's a bad idea, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think there's still a time and a place for it. 
But then I started thinking, okay, well, what do you do then to like re-engage people or get people's attention to get them to purchase from you without offering a discount? And lo and behold, I get this email yesterday in my inbox from one of the marketing. I, I, I would love to credit it, but I've already read it and deleted it. So I'm not sure who it's from. Um, but basically talking about how there was a study out that showed that when you bundle an item, so like, you know, you can buy one hanky for $3, let's just say, or a dollar, let's keep it at a dollar, makes it easy. Or you can buy five or, you know, 10 hankies for $7, right? So you're saving 30% on the bundle deal. So people are, you know, people are going to buy the 10 hankies because they're getting a deal, right? So you're just bundling the pricing. So that's one way to do it where you're not, you know, truly like running a sale, um, you're bundling. But what this research showed was that you can bundle something or you can give something for free. So let's just say you did, you know, one hanky is a dollar, 10 hankies is seven, or you know, you could do like a buy one or buy six hankies, get the seventh hanky free, right? And charge seven bucks. So same price, same exact thing. You're just literally changing the verbiage of how it's working, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. People are significantly less likely to return anything if they got something for free in the order. Interesting. So, and as this was like a study done, this wasn't just their like perception, um, so basically, and it, it makes sense, right, with psychology, right? When people get something for free, then you've sort of implemented that gratitude. Like you, you know, you, you, they now owe you that whole reciprocity thing. Um, and so they were, their argument was basically, it's better to do like buy this and get this for free versus bundle it and have it be the same price. I was thinking the psychological principle for that would be loss aversion because if you make the return, you got to return the free yes. item also, right? Yes, you have to return everything and people aren't going to mess with it. Right, and they don't want to return the free item because that's yes, actually that a loss. Yes, because that feels like they got something, right? It's it's like, ooh, I got this for free. Like, I got the deal. Um, so that was an interesting thing that I started because I was like, okay, well, that's that's a, an, a good way to get people in. So we do this with my client all the time where – we offer the free with purchase, right, if you spend X amount of dollars. So spend $50 and you get XYZ for free. Uh, we've tried this three or four times now, um, and it's actually worked really, really well. I mean, we've seen a bump in sales. We've seen an increase in average order value. Um, and if you think about, like, comparing it directly to discounting, um, you know, the product that we're giving away for free is either – something that's overstocked, something that we can't sell, um, or something that we purposely ordered to do this. And so it's super low cost, like under a dollar, right? So we're giving away an item. So let's just say, um, you know, her average product is like 12 bucks, right? So you discount it 10%, that's $1.20. Um, but the free item we're giving away is 72 cents, right? So right there, we're giving away something. The perceived value of the free, free item is like 8 or $9, right? But the cost of it is 70 cents or sometimes even less. I mean, like the last one we did was like 22 cents, right? Um, but the perceived value of this thing is $20. So people feel like they're getting this great deal with the freebie. And you're right, they're less likely to return it because then they go under that threshold. And so they have to return the free item as well. They're just not going to mess with it. 
Yeah, I was just thinking to myself. So, so uh, one thing, a part of my talk was, we always just ask the manufacturer for whatever they're trying to get rid of, mm-hmm. and uh, we try to get a phone number with that. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if we bundled it as a reward, whether that would increase the average order value. Because right now we do free ship. Do you guys do free shipping also in addition to this free item at a threshold? Uh, over a certain dollar amount, yeah. So you have two separate thresholds? Yeah. Okay. Which we one's do higher? do free shipping as a promotion though. Which threshold's higher, the free item or the free shipping? The free shipping threshold's $100, so it's higher. Oh, so it's higher. I see. Yeah. Okay. But we do I, run free yeah. shipping as a promotion um, or we drop the threshold as well. Our uh, AOV calculations for our store are all messed up now because mm-hmm. I found this audience of people on Facebook that mm-hmm. like a very specific style of handkerchief mm-hmm. and they don't buy a whole bunch of them. Oh, yeah. And these are the cheapest, cheaper handkerchiefs that we sell. So I like my whole perspective on AOV is all off now, whereas before it was rock solid, like steady for, for the longest time. Yeah, ours has been, my clients has been messed up uh, too because of Black Friday, obviously, um, and Black Friday thresholds changed everything because, like, you spent more, you got more freebies. You know, there was all that built in. And then right after Christmas, um, we clearance a bunch of items to make room for, like, new additions, new inventory, all that stuff. So we're selling stuff at, like, a huge discount because we need to get it out of the warehouse. Um, it's just pure liquidation. And so that messes it up because someone who would normally buy, like, four items and pay – $70 is now buying four items and paying $30, right? So it messes up AOV a ton to run the liquidation sale. Yeah. So back to uh, digital products. Uh. <laughs> right? So it's kind of like, well, that's yeah. all great. Like to me, that was sort of the highlight of the talk was realizing that, well, with digital products, you don't you don't have to discount at all. Like um, – one of the things that I noticed that almost everybody in the digital space is doing is that instead of discounting, you're giving away other things that have a perceived high value. Yep. Um, you're doing this for your book. Um, right. Like, so let's talk about the bonuses for your book. So your book is like about $30 on Amazon. Right. Um, and then you can you can also get it at a variety of other places, Barnes & Noble, Target, blah, blah, blah. Um, little plug for your book yet. There and um, <laughs> you're st- you were supposed to throw me the softball during my talk. Yeah, Steve. St- we were joking after the talk. Steve's like, "You didn't ask a question," and I was like, "Yeah, I should have stood up and go and gone." Now, where can I buy the Family First Entrepreneur, Steve? Is it available for pre-order? <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to ask. You're supposed to say, "Where can I get more information, more in-depth information about what you just talked about?" Because I find it fascinating. I'm so interested in what you're talking about. And then I was right supposed now. to go. Well, Tony, did yeah. you know <laughs> that I just wrote a book on this? What I should have said was, I really want to be in the chat GPT talk, but because you're like one of my best friends, I'm sitting here in the front row at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> I heard that the chat GPT talk had tons of technical issues with the internet. Yes, it, so, yes, I heard that as well. They're, they had a really rough time um, with the It was sound. a great talk, like, but the internet yeah. was, was a problem. The internet and gave you, out the yeah. microphone wasn't working. There was a lot of issues in that talk. So and you I need internet right to run chat GPT. So. Yes, yes, yeah. for sure. I made the right choice. Um, so you're selling a book. And obviously, as we've talked before on the podcast and everywhere else in the world at this point, um, actually, I have to tell us, the running joke at ECF for me was 
anytime I talk to somebody who knows me and Steve, they would say, yeah, I heard Steve was writing a book and I would act like I didn't know. Um, I would, so they'd say, yeah, I heard Steve's writing a book. And I was like, what? He's writing a book. And then they would look completely shocked that I couldn't, how could I possibly not know this? And I couldn't keep a straight face for very long. Cause it was, it was quite, I thought it was quite funny. It was like my own little joke that, you know, made me smile the whole weekend. But, um, anyway, <laughs> one of the things when you write a book is you got to get a lot of pre-sales because the pre-sales all accumulate to like when the book actually launches. So it gives you this humongous number the first week of book sales, which is what every author tries to do. This is like, a, this is how the book industry works. So, um, you know, obviously it would be great if people out of the goodness of their heart just bought the book, but that's not how marketing works. So most people bundle a bunch of uh, bonuses so that if you are willing to, you know, shell out 30 bucks and buy the book, you're going to get extra things with it as an incentive for pre-buying it. And one of the things that I think is interesting is like everything that you're giving away has no real value, right? There's no cost. You to mean it. tangible? Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no cost. Yeah, it's not we'll not put it valuable as no at real all. Value. There's no real value in anything. <laughs> uh, the things that, and this is true for everyone who's most people don't say buy my book and I'm going to send you a Ferrari. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so talk about what you're giving away, like the perceived value and everything else. Yes. Uh, the first thing I'm giving away, which is actually going to take a good amount of my time, is a six-week challenge yes. on how to find your side hustle. So I'm going to go in and give lectures and then answer questions in a private Facebook group and really actually try to get to know everybody and, and help people start their own side hustle. So that's bonus number one. Mm -hmm. The second bonus is more immediate. Uh, you get a three-day workshop on how to start a print-on-demand business, which is what I call like the gateway drug in yeah. e-commerce. And then a two-day workshop on how to make money with content, whether that be blogging, uh, YouTube, or podcasting, all three of which I do. And I'm also giving out, uh, you know, tickets to these book parties that Tony's going to be planning all, all, yeah. over the, all over the <laughs> All nation. over the country. So, uh, um, but the other thing that I'm doing also is I'm giving these workshops, which used to be free, now, just like the book is the cost of admission, you buy the book once and you can come to all of them. Okay. Yeah, leading up to the launch. So the interesting thing about this is, and this is where I think even if you're selling a physical product, you can think about doing this, is that um, these bonuses that you're giving aren't costing you any money. They're costing you time, obviously, like um, you have to lead the, I mean, some of the stuff's already been done. Like you've already recorded the print on demand, the blog thing's Correct. already been yeah. recorded. Um, you know, I think, is there some bonuses with like seller summit recordings or is that a, like a bulk buy? Or Those bonus? are bulk buys. Okay. Yeah. Um, but th these are all things that have either already been created and they're all digital. So there's no hard costs involved in them. It's just the cost of time. So one thing that I think you could do, even as someone with physical products is offer something that's digital, like a digital bonus, whether it's a course, um, some sort of like ebook or e-training that you've written, um, a masterclass, anything like that in relation, you know, in relation to your product, um, also helps up the perceived value of what people are getting. Now, if you're in the digital space, this is a no-brainer. Yeah. Like, you know, you should be doing this every time you launch something. I will say, like, the the best example that I see of this is, um, and there's I just lots of other people do this, but this is just someone I follow. 
um, is Marie Forleo, when she launches her B-School, she launches it once a year, and she has affiliates. And to be an affiliate for Marie, I think, I don't know what the threshold is now, but you used to have to give away at least $1,000 in value of uh, services, classes, digital products um, for people who bought. So if like if you're Amy Porterfield, she's an affiliate for Marie. So Amy Porterfield, if you buy Marie's course through Amy's link, you get like $1,500 in freebies from Amy, whether it's um, access to a course. The year I bought, I bought through Amy, she did a live in-person event. So I went to the, so that was paid for. Like, obviously you had to get out there and things like that. But, you know, the actual event was included in the purchase of B-School. Um she offered, I think you got course access, some live training, the in-person thing, um, as well as, you know, other bonuses. And she also, she went through B-School with you. So she had like a subgroup where she like cheered you on and like did Q&A and things like that. So I think um, anytime that you're launching anything digital, you need to uh, have those bonuses available to people. Um, and the thing is, is is we've all seen it where it's like bonuses valued at $1,997. Like you can kind of value them however you want as long as it's reasonable. Yeah. I, I mean, I try to value them realistically. Yeah. You know, yeah. based on, yeah. Sometimes you see these outrageous values though. Yes. I, yes. I've always been curious. So in order to be an affiliate for Marie, you have to. You have to give away the bon- bonuses of your own things. Of your own worth $1,000. It's pretty genius. I mean, because then the value just goes up even more, right? How much is her class now? Do you know? I think it's still two thousand. I don't know. She just closed. Two thousand seems a little too low. She might have raised uh it. I don't like. I have. I don't. I don't ever get any pricing things from her because I've already taken the. She's actually really good at email segmenting, and so I never see anything about buying B school. I always only get the alumni stuff. I see. Do you have to rebuy as an alumni to get the latest? No, you get access every year. Really nice Mm -hmm. to the latest and greatest. Not only that, you get the access to the latest and greatest. You get all the live. She does office hours and things like that during the six weeks where she teaches it live. You get access to all that, all the new, all the new PDFs, all the new stuff. Which I, th- I, I think it's just one other. It's see, that's a perfect example of like value add without changing the price, right? Like yes. so, by B school, you're an alumni forever. You always get access. Um, you can you get access to any updates and so it's like oh well that just became more valuable i think we do the same thing in our course like once you buy the course very similar like you pay the one fee you always have access to everything you have access to our webinars you have access to recordings things that we're charging other people for yeah our course members always get for free so it's just a value and we, we probably don't stress that enough i think when um, in the marketing, because I think that is a real value add for people is like, hey, any basically anything we do outside of Seller Summit, which is its own like entity, um, you know, once you're in our course, like that's for you forever for free. Like you don't have to pay for anything. Yep. And that is one of the biggest value adds, in my opinion. Yeah. So so all that to say pricing becomes way less important when you have a digital product. <laughs> it's, it's true. I, <laughs> it's, I mean, I always weigh the pros and cons because people ask me this all the time. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, Steve, I want to sell a digital product. Uh, Walk me through the process. Unlike a a physical product, I think you almost always have to have some sort of audience in order to sell a digital product. Not always, but I think almost always, right? Actually, we should, if we haven't recorded that podcast, we should probably talk about in in another podcast how to sell digital products if you don't have an audience, because there's definitely some methods. There are ways that leverage marketplaces. Is that what 
Is yeah. that what you're, yeah. But and in le- general. Leverage other content creators, but yeah. You, you buy a digital product because of the person creating the digital product in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. I, I don't want to yeah. say in all cases. For a course, for sure. Yeah. Right. But I, I've seen some of the eBooks that you sell that, that sell a very defined benefit and maybe, maybe the person doesn't matter as much, right? Probably in some of the stuff that I'm doing for sure. In some of the um, stuff. But with a course or a membership, I think the course creator or the membership site creator definitely is very important to uh, people making a purchase decision. But I also think like, you know, there's been some things that I've considered, like courses I've considered purchasing and several people have a similar course, right? Sometimes the bonuses will sway me in making the purchase. If I feel like everything else is equal, then if I'm like, oh, well, there's these other bonuses or there's this live training or there's something else, like that will sway me in my decision. Um, even if the price points are the same and the, I feel like the creators are similar. Let me ask you this. So you just mentioned the bonuses will sway you. What happens if the bonuses are just part of the sales page for what you get always versus phrased as a bonus? Would that I think sway the phrase you? as a bonus is a, is, a, is a good marketing tactic. So you should phrase every all the little benefits of your course or membership as a bonus as opposed to just like a... As we're both thinking, we don't do this, right? Like, well, yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't. Um, so I'm looking at it from the side of, like, I think you and I don't phrase it as a bonus because we feel like this is what we offer or this is what we have, like, come and get it. But I feel like really for people looking at it, if we flipped it a little bit and phrase it as a bonus, it would probably be effective because I think that does sway people into making decisions on what they're going to Well, I was just purchase. thinking psychologically, when you highlight something as a bonus, they're more likely to read it. Yeah. And then two, bonus kind of implies that it's going to go away. Like if you don't buy something, yeah. then yeah, that's true. Right. So is that why psychological for you? I'm asking you, is that why the bonus effect? It doesn't affect me. I'd rather have it be an innate benefit, actually. Yeah, I think if I think the bonus is going to weigh, it'll sway me for sure. Because bonuses for me, mm-hmm. this is psychological. And maybe this is probably just me, yeah. are just like cast aside items that are just being thrown in. So okay, I don't because value we're them in the space. That's why we think that. Yeah, maybe. I think maybe that's why. Yeah. Because people don't spend as much time on the bonuses as like the core product. That That's the way I think. Right. So bonuses actually don't, they, they don't have a negative you. effect on me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably the only person in the world they have a negative effect on. But, um. <laughs> well, no, versus it being part of the actual core product. Right. No, yeah, I, I see what, I mean. what you're saying. I think, you know, it's something that's probably worth testing out, right? Is Is like basically changing the verbiage on, you know, the landing page and seeing if bonus like moves the needle at all it's versus just part of the core product yeah yeah anyway we always end these episodes with more questions and answers uh, <laughs> i do want to do maybe for our next episode i do want to have a philosophical discussion okay on ai yes and chat I, GPT, I, like, I, I felt like my head was going to explode this week and i actually walked to one of the parties with katrina Oh, you yeah. did? Okay. Yeah. So we had more, even more conversation about, she's a copywriter out of Australia, but she had some interesting thoughts on AI. Yeah. Um, she she plays with it all day long. So yeah, yes. she's definitely yeah. not. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. 
Now, for more information about this episode, go to ProfitableAudience.com slash podcast, where we list all of the tools and resources mentioned in our show notes. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. When you write us a review, it not only makes our day, but it helps keep this podcast up in the ranks so other people can use this information, find the show more easily, and get some awesome business advice. Leaving a review is by far the best way to support the show. And please tell your friends because the greatest compliment that you can give us is to provide a referral to someone else, either in person or to share it on the web. And if you're interested in building your own profitable audience, subscribe to our free six-day mini course where we walk you through the exact steps needed to find your niche, build a website, grab email subscribers, and monetize your content. You can sign up at ProfitableAudience.com slash free. Thanks for listening.